Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Zach Miller. He's an entrepreneur, an author, an internet personnel, and my favorite, he's the mayor of Hustle City. He has over two decades of business experience. That includes starting, investing, advising, mentoring, and growing thousands of companies and projects. And after his own successful pursuit into the entrepreneur realm, Zach launched Hatch in Norfolk, Virginia. This put him on the map as an expert in the startup community. Zach and the Hatch platform proved to be problem solvers for business owners, both startup and established companies. So I'm so happy to welcome Zach Miller to the show today and hear your advice for startups and established entrepreneurs. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I have to ask. I have to ask the question. The mayor of Hustle City, explain <laughs> that. Well, it's self-appointed, kind of. Um, <laughs> so we're in a town in southeastern Virginia that is a top 50 metro. It's about 1.7 million people. It's divided by a dozen or so cities and, and towns, um, similar to any, any other kind of um, metro. But the entrepreneurial scene is something that's fairly new here. Um, and throughout my time, I realized that people needed to go after some things that they needed. And so a lot of people look at hustle as, you know, work 24 seven and, and just grind, grind, grind. I look at it as, you know, if you want something, go after it. And, you're the only person that is really holding yourself back. So if you want a meeting with someone, are you waiting for that person to email you, call you, or are you willing to call them? And I think a lot of times people are in the space that they need to be, but don't raise their hand when they want to actually have something accomplished or to achieve something. And so to me, Hustle City is really a, a mindset of, you know, put your mind to what you want and go after it and make sure that at the end of the day, you've exhausted every effort to try and get whatever that goal is. And as a community here in the North of Virginia beach area, we saw an opportunity to kind of brand it as something that makes people think a little bit more about business. And we do, I think, Oh, I think like two years ago, a guy on my team, uh, we we do like a weekly email, and he just started tagging me as the mayor of Hustle City, and then we we decided to just keep doing it. So so it stuck, and you you actually started to leverage it. That's great. You know, one of the things that you have have said many times is that at the end of the day, we have one belief: everyone should control the path to the future they desire. You talked a little bit about trying to put you know Norfolk, Virginia, and and that area on the map and help to grow entrepreneurs in that area. So, so what are some of the things that you do to help people control that path to the future they desire? What, how does Hatch help them do that? Sure. Well, number one is, you know, telling them, Hey, like if you want to do something like this, like understand what you really have to do. And some people are not ever going to do it and they're not really interested. They, they think, 
because they watch Shark Tank or The Profit or some TV show that overnight they can just be successful. And, and to me, it's you have to play a long game. And so first thing is just telling them, hey, this, this takes a while. Um, but when, when I started Hatch maybe six or seven years ago, the idea was that everyone was talking about in, in this area that money was the thing that was missing. So I, I raised a small fund and invest in 13 companies. And what's interesting is about 18 months after that, we recognized by interviewing our kind of founders that the money that we invested in them wasn't the most important thing, that the access was the most important thing. And so our thesis was kind of broken. Our hypothesis was broken. Everyone says money, money, money. And we were like, okay, that, so we'll do it. And we learned from the, those founders that, the resources and the education of learning kind of how to be an entrepreneur or the emotional side to have someone to, you know, put their, their head on their shoulder when something's down or just connecting or, or having different entrepreneurs in a specific place, whether it's online or in person. Uh, and then, you know, just events for entrepreneurs that are done by people who have actually had a business before. I think if you think of, if you think of school traditionally, a lot of the professors are people who have, read about something and have never actually done that said task. And so we, we've learned that a lot of professors at, at colleges and universities are teaching people how to do something and they've never done it themselves. And we looked at that and said, you know, it seems like that's a broken model. It, we need these people to be taught by people who have done it before. Like you wouldn't go to the doctor who has never worked on a patient before. You wouldn't go to an accountant and ask a legal question. But for some reason in the business world, everyone has everyone is a business expert. And we're trying to make that so business experts are people who have actually owned and grown a business. Mm -hmm. And there are different stages to businesses. And I think oftentimes there's large organizations that have really successful C-level executives. And those people will then try and provide mentorship and information to people. And it might be valid, but a lot of times those people never actually started a business. Right. And so they don't know what that like, what is like, what that's like in those early stages. And so mm -hmm. we just want to put people in, we want people to understand that the information that they're getting is by someone or several people who have actually done it before. And just like those other industries, we think the business industry should also be done that way, and hopefully we can make a, a big impact in, in, in teaching that. Right. Now, one of the things that I've heard about the access, because I've, I've heard that before, that people always think it's capital that is lacking, and that's true to a certain you know, regard. You have to have access to capital to make things go, but you also have to have, as you said, access to the people and resources, and someone even once suggested that um, access to, one that's often overlooked is access to city and government officials, and they even took it even one step further than that, and that is let's use some of these city halls and these government offices as places, because a lot of them have big lobbies and uh, common yeah. areas, to, to showcase entrepreneurs and, and maybe some of the products that they have manufactured or uh, some of the services that they offer so that as the community comes in and pays their fines or, 
get their whatever utilities hooked up, whatever they're doing there, that yeah. they actually see the entrepreneurs in their community. And I thought, well, I wonder if anybody's actually doing that. It doesn't sound that far-fetched to me, but is that the kind of access you're talking about too? Is just you know getting the community involved and knowing who the entrepreneurs are and what they do? Sure. I mean, I think that's a, it's a great example. In, in our town, we have a really nice library, which is odd to say in a way, but it's, I think it's been ranked as a top five library in the country. It's like it costs them like $85 million or something like that to build. And we do a lot of our events there because it is a community space. And, mm-hmm. you know, you build this big thing and they have a theater that you can go into and, and, and do big events or a big forum. And, and so we use that facility. It's definitely a government, um, a city uh, facility. But I think oftentimes a lot of people talk about, you know, the, the small business jobs and where those are created and they're done by startups and small business. I think like right. like 65% nationally in some cities, mm-hmm. it's even bigger. Yes. Absolutely. But I don't think those, I don't think those small businesses necessarily get the attention from their cities the way that they need to. And I think that's something that we try and do when we work with cities is say, Hey, like you, you use this number and it seems like it's important to you, but all you do is tout the big business down the street when you've admitted that the majority of your jobs are coming from these main street America businesses, these small and startup businesses, yet there's, there's a discrepancy there. And so, you know, I think communities across the country need to better improve their marketing towards those small businesses and not just one week out of the year because it's small business week. Right, it's, it's, right. a, it's a constant, it's a, it needs to be a constant piece. And I think as cities understand that those small businesses are the backbone, that they will start marketing them more. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes you just need someone to start doing it. And I think in our community, that was, that was me. And I was like, hey, we have to give these people a voice. And you can complain about it. This kind of goes back to Hustle City and that you can you know, live the life you want. Like if you want something, go after it. And so I saw a hole. I saw a lot of my friends weren't getting the attention that they wanted. I saw that my business wasn't getting the attention that I wanted. I said, well, how, what can we do to try and fix that? And so we just started doing events. We started being loud and proud about the businesses. And we started shouting at the top of, of buildings, basically saying, hey, we're open for business. I've only done that literally once. And that was kind of weird. But, <laughs> You've actually done that. <laughs> yeah. And well, I recorded that it. Surprise me. You recorded it, huh? And on your website? It was, it was, it was a promo for uh, an event. Uh, it's probably on YouTube somewhere. somewhere but yeah. it's, it's, we have to, as business owners or anyone that works for businesses, realize that no one's going to come to us. Everything that's ever been big to me in my life is because I raised my hand or I went after something. Mm-hmm. It, it's not because someone came to me. And I've, I've been able to succeed in some decent things in life. And I, I literally know the day that that thing happened where I was like, oh, I, I did this. Like I host a TV show and I, I wasn't asked to be a host of the TV show. I had to basically convince the president of a TV station that I was a good fit for this thing because I raised my hand and, and showed. And so it's, you just constantly have to raise your hand. You constantly have to ask. You have to constantly be trying to get what you want. And it's not, it's, it's never a straight line. It's always the roller coaster. And it's just, once you get it though, it's like, man, I, I really busted my tail to get there. And it's, it's nice to achieve something. Exactly. And and that's such good advice because so often business owners are nose to the grindstone. They're working in isolation. They're they're just trying to get through the day, get through the week, make this goal, make that goal. And a lot of times we get taught too as young kids 
that you know if you're if you're loud and if you you go after things that sometimes you're considered uh, too big for your britches or that you're boastful or you're proud and so when it comes to business though you like you said you got to raise your hand you got to speak up you have to be loud you have to shout it from the rooftops like you said <laughs> yeah yeah you have to you talk about people's pain points. What do you mean by how does that factor into business and what you do? Well, I think a lot of businesses are started because someone is challenged with something. There might be a, a hole in their marketing. There might be um, just a, a pain point, something that is, is, is difficult for them to get through. And I think oftentimes it's, it's, it can be difficult for people to understand what that really means. And I recently – in my car, the check engine light went on. Mm. And I was like, that's interesting. So that is basically determining that there's an, an issue, right? Maybe it's your bank account's low. Maybe people didn't come to your event. Maybe you're not getting the sales that you want. And so addressing that, something is the matter. So determining that. Then I think you need to analyze that. In the mechanics perspective, you, know, you, you go and you Google, why is my check engine light on? Maybe you can resolve it immediately. Or maybe you have to take it to to the actual mechanic, to the mechanic, and the mechanic's going to say, well, is your car doing this? Is it jumping? Is it, is it stuttering? Is it, is it stopping? And so they're analyzing, like, what is going on here? Are you actually, as a business owner, putting in the time to do this? Are you making sales calls? Are, are you doing anything? Or are you just expecting results without, any, without actually doing any work? And I think a lot of times right. with, with a lot of businesses, that's actually the answer, is that they're not doing anything. And so Whenever we start working with, with new companies, we say, what, what have you been doing for the last seven days? I'm like, well, what do you mean? I said, I want you to take an inventory. And so no one, has, and no one actually ever has done this before. So we have to then tell them, for the next seven days, we want you to basically write down everything that you do. So when you wake up, tell us what you're doing. You know, how long are your meetings? Everything. How long are you in your car? Whatever. And what we find is that there's, these people say, oh, I'm, I'm busting my tail. But they're really not. So they're spending 14 hours a week on Netflix. They're, uh, they're spending six hours in a car, and they're not leveraging that time. And so mm-hmm. we, all have, we all have the same amount of time in the day. You've heard this, 24 hours is, is, is the amount I've, I've been told is, is what we all have. <laughs> yeah, last time um, I looked. Yeah. And what can we do with that time to be very efficient and, and, and try and master it? And so we look at it and say, you know, we know that you're not going to – work all 24 hours, nor do we recommend it really. But make sure that when you are working, that you're giving it is your A game, right? Give it everything that you can. And a lot of times what we'll see is that people are just just not maximizing their days. And if they start doing that a little bit better, so waking up 15 minutes earlier, maybe taking 15 minutes off of Facebook. I actually think people should be on Netflix and, and have a lot of downtime because I think it's important to not just grind it out um, because if you work 24 hours in a day, somewhere down the line, that time is going to be lost because you need to recover. And in, in some cases, it could be months to recover because you burn out so bad. And so I, right. I think having like a nice routine is actually important where you're only working a certain amount of hours in a day. But so that's kind of analyzing why your day is the way it is. And then finally, execution is like, is, is, is someone willing to pay to get this fixed? Am I willing to do this to get it fixed? And if, if no one's, if you get to that mechanic and that person isn't willing to pay for it then because they don't have to, they can just keep getting by with that check engine light on. 
mm-hmm. then you haven't validated it. Or someone is willing to, you know, they're like, oh, it's your, uh, it, it's your tires, and they need to just put air in it, and it's going to call, or you need a new tire, and it's going to be $35. And so you say, okay, I'll do it. And so really understanding that pain points are, is, is determining that there's an issue, analyzing that, like where that issue is coming from, and then executing on it, uh, validating it, and making sure that people are actually seeing that as a pain point enough that they're willing to invest capital into it to get it fixed. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. Right. And that's okay. You just got to learn why. Sure. And you've probably saved a lot of people from taking out second mortgages on their homes or spending their retirement savings by, you know, using it as a startup uh, nest for their new business by taking them through this exercise because um, some of them probably realize, you know what, this just isn't for me. Do you ever get that? Oh, yeah. So we have a monthly fee of 30 bucks a month for our membership. Um, and that can be for anyone that's a member, no matter where they are in the world. And I always say this, I'd rather you have, I'd rather you lose $30 than make a $30,000 mistake right. by going and taking out that credit card or that second mortgage or whatever it is to find out that, you know what, I tested this out for a couple of weeks. I really don't like it. Business isn't for me. And I, I look at that as a win. I saved someone's life. And exactly. hundreds of, of situations like that where people are like, oh, I can do this. And I'm like, okay. Like, these are the things that you're going to have to do. And if you don't understand, it's not just a skill. It's a skill plus business plus emotions plus a lot of other things, too. And I I think it's great when we realize or people recognize that, hey, you know what? I tested this. It's not for me. I'm going to go back to a job. And I I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Now, for those who do go into business and, you know, you got got the – business going and but do you really know whether or not you're on the right path you really know whether it's doing well you might have some cash in the bank or you might have some receivables on the books but is it really healthy is it really doing well people talk about metrics to measure those kind of things if you had any advice to give about how to measure how well your business is doing what would that be so i'm going to go with something that is unconventional and say, go with your gut. Mm. I think, you know, when your business is doing well and when it's doing bad, I think that most people, like you go to a networking event, people are like, Oh, how's Hatch doing? Or how's so-and-so business doing? You always say, well, but in the back of your mind, you're like, mm, is it? Mm-hmm. And, and there have been times when, when we're not in the position that I want us to be in, but I'll still say that same thing. Yeah. Hatch is going wonderful. Thank you for asking. How is your business going? I think you know when your business is going well. If people aren't walking in the door, if you're not making those calls, if you're not making sales, you, you know it. And I, I don't think there's a measure of how much money is in the bank. Yes, there are things that you can do to make sure that you know, cash flow is going to be strong. I like to try and have people prepay me for everything I do, and I try and get net terms on everything that we um, have to pay so that cash flow is always there. But I know in my mind – when things are going good and when things are going bad, j- just because of my gut. And I'm like, okay. It, it, and, I, and I think most people want to just look at a number and say, oh, I looked in QuickBooks and it says we have $100,000 in the bank. Everything's fine. Well, is it if you owe $150,000 the next day to something? Right. It, and so you know when things are good and when things are bad, but most people aren't willing to admit it. And I think that's why they continue to go down 
um, those holes, even though it's in their mind, they know it. They're just not willing to say, hey, you know what, something is the matter and I need to, I need to work on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, do you, where do you go from here with Hatch and, and what, what, are, what are your aspirations, Zach? Yeah, the ultimate goal in life is to be a majority owner in an amusement park. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, from the roller coaster world of business to owning a roller coaster uh, amusement park. Um, immediately, so when we started Hatch uh, a few years ago, we started a platform called 1004. Uh, it's an on-demand uh, community for business owners um, to learn and to um, get advice from other people. Uh, that are also business owners. Uh, and we say built that it, name again. Say the name again. Yeah, it's called 1004. So it's 1004. Um, okay. Yep. So one zero zero zero, and then four spelled out, F O U R. And we built it to be a local business that helps support um, our local business community in southeastern Virginia. What we realized about a year ago is different cities and different entrepreneurs across the country were calling saying, "Hey, how do I get help with this thing that you guys have?" And we were like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe we could make this a national, international product. And so uh, for the last few months, we've, we've invested heavily into the infrastructure behind it and are rolling out kind of the national version of it, which is very similar to what it is already, um, and just helping communities uh, like ours um, and their entrepreneurs grow. And we would love our platform to be nationally adopted um, by businesses and, and communities across the country. And, you know, for the foreseeable future that's what we're focused on and is there a place where people can go now to view that or to participate in it or is that still in pre-launch yeah. stage yeah so um our website start with hatch.com and then uh if you just go slash one zero 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 dash f-o-u-r um or just click 1004 on the page mm-hmm. um, you'll get there and if people would like to talk more with you and uh you know you sound like you've got lots of advice and good ideas and that you enjoy talking to not just startups, but established businesses too. How would they get in touch with you? Sure. Uh, easiest way is to go to that website and fill out the contact us form and just say that you heard, heard me on the show and I uh, would love to talk that way. Also, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Start with Hatch is the handles for both of that and then just kind of message through there. Uh, we'd, we'd love to do that, or um, personally, just Zach is the ACK at startwithhatch.com is my email. Okay, so all kinds of ways to get in touch with Zach. Been wonderful having you here, and it's great to have resources like you throughout the country. Good luck with everything you're doing, and and with all of the other businesses that you help. Well, I appreciate your time. This has been awesome, Kelly. Absolutely. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.